Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio for Monday, January 4th, 2021. Happy New Year, everybody. My name is Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, I had the honor of speaking with the legendary two-time Tony-winning writer and director of such shows as Baby, Ain't Misbehavin', Miss Saigon, Fosse, Big, Starting Here, Starting Now, Song and Dance, and many more, Richard Maltby Jr., We had the opportunity to speak because one of the most beloved shows that he wrote with his longtime collaborator David Shire, Closer Than Ever, is currently being streamed in a virtual production from the M&M Theater in Florida through January 10th. In our interview, we discuss this production's unique approach to the material being done during a pandemic, his love-hate relationship with reviews, the screenplay that he's currently working on, and he briefly tells me about the two new Maltby and Shire shows that will be coming to the stage whenever the theater itself comes back to the stage. We also talk about his co-director and choreographer for Fosse and Ranking just a few weeks after her passing. And if you listen carefully, he also confirms a rumor that I've been hearing for a number of years unrelated to any of his work that should make a lot of theater fans happy. We, of course, will have information on Eminem's virtual production of Closer Than Ever in the show notes and on BroadwayRadio.com. All right, now with all of that stuff out of the way, here's my conversation with Richard Maltby Jr., I'm a little late, a couple of minutes. No worries, not a problem at all. I apologize for that. I was actually busy at work and got carried away. Oh, that's good. Can I ask what you were working on? Well, uh, (laughs) I'm uh, working with a collaborator on on a a screenplay based on the life of George Eliot. Oh, wow. The writer. Of course. uh, She is, uh, I mean, everybody knows all about the other women writers and nobody knows about George Eliot. And she actually had the most scandalous life of any of them. And, uh, and so the question is, why don't we know that story? Well, hopefully very soon after everyone sees this screenplay, we will know all about that story. I hope so. (laughs) No, it's a really, it's an absolutely fascinating story. Uh, um, She, she invented, she invented the psychological novel. She invented the English novel, the, the modern English novel because she was trying to solve some problem in herself and uh, regarding sexuality and and, uh, what it means to be a sexual person. Yeah. How how did you get uh, interested in her life or interested in this project specifically? I, I didn't. Um, It was, it it was, no, no, I've been working with a woman named Kathy Templesman. It was her idea. She was writing a play about it um so a friend uh, sent it to me and said would you you know give her some comments you know she's a starting writer and everything so i said oh well sure okay and um, <laughs> and then oh my god what a story and i said this ought to you know we ought to do this and and so i set out to direct a production of the play and uh which i did in 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 uh, new jersey a couple of years ago and uh and that was fine, uh, um, but it seemed to need more time than a play could kind of encompass. And so we're uh, in now that we're in the world of miniseries, sure. um, we're, we're doing it sort of that way. Very fascinating. So I, I am very much looking forward to hopefully seeing that on a network or streaming service in the in the near future then sure (laughs) well we are uh talking today because of this virtual production of closer than ever from m&m theater company which is running through january 10th and as i was watching it it kind of just struck me that closer than ever 
is the perfect show to watch around any new year, but especially this new year. Um, does that idea of there being these new doors for people to open and go through feel different for you this year than it maybe has in the past? Well, you know, it's it's funny with it, you know, sh- Shows have have lives and they they, yeah. they 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 live over time. This show was first produced in New York in um, 1989. And um, it was a I don't know that it, if anybody quite quite knew what to do with it. It was a collection of sort of <laughs> theatrical story songs um, in looking like a review. And, uh, and yet it wasn't really a review. It had the emotional impact of a play and, uh, um, no one had ever seen that sort of thing. It was also done by a, a young cast of sort of, um, uh, the kinds of people who would be in a review. Uh, and it wasn't until we did the cast album, actually the New York times review said, you know, separated from the young cast, you realize that this is really about, people who have lived a bit who it's about people who are in the second stage, you know, um, after, after you've married or after you've had a relationship and you've learned a few things and now you're ready for the next phase. Um, and, um, and we realized that that is what we had done. We had simply written about people we know and people going through emotional things that we knew and things that we had gone through. And, um, suddenly it seemed to have a, 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 a continuity to it. We actually added a, a number of extra songs then to, to it to sort of fin- fill out that, um, that theme. And so it became about that. And I guess going through life, you go through sort of phases and you go through, you know, there's a new love, there's young relationships, there's new relationships, there's relationships that get, stale and tired and that you start new ones again of uh, things that you, you start over again. And it is true that life is a series of, of doors, each one of which you ha- want to go through and hate to go through. You don't want to leave behind <laughs> what you have, but on the other side is a possibility. And basically um, uh, uh, that's, that's what happened. We, we wrote the opening number to sort of express that. But I didn't. I I never felt really comfortable about it. It seemed it seemed uh, just sort of an accommodation. But now with distance, it seems to be the actual total point of it all. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, you know, writers write from themselves, and after they've finished writing, they realize what on earth they've written. Um, and usually, they've written something they don't realize they've written. And uh, uh, and this, this was certainly true for us, uh, just by exploring people that we knew and, and our, our own feelings about things, um, we found we were really saying something. And, and in this year, of all years, um, where whatever life you had is totally stopped and you have to go into something else, um, it, it has a resonance that we never even imagined it would have. I mean, who could yeah. imagine yeah. But that's exciting. I, I, you know, that, you know, now, what is that 30 years ago Yeah. when we, when, when the show was produced and so even older, some of the songs were from the, you know, the period before that. Sure. 
that these things still speak freshly now is simply a sign that, that we that we were uh, accurate that we were <laughs> that we that we were in fact writing truthful things about those phases of life and those things are true regardless of the decade that you're living in they would have been true in 1880 and they will no doubt be true in 3150 but uh, unless unless we're replaced by robots I saw the video of one dancing the other day, and that did scare yes, me as well. So did I. I thought, for God's sakes, you know. And 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 the the announcer said, "Well, they dance better than I do." Well, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I, I'm interested because you said, you know, you said you you wrote this show, and you didn't necessarily know what you were writing at the time, and it. Um, appeals to different people and shows have lives. I wonder for you as the writer, um, as the lyricist, and obviously the person who first directed it, have different parts of the show, of different songs um, or different through lines meant different things to you over the past, whatever, three decades or so? Well, um, I, I would say only that the show seems more meaningful well, I'll tell you something else. This is sort of in, in, interesting, and maybe you'll understand. When the show opened, um, we did a cast album of the entire show, a double album, mm -hmm. and, it, and it was released, and it, it did it did you know pretty well. I didn't realize it, but it was a huge success in colleges. People in oh, yeah. theater programs in colleges um, went crazy for it and wore it out, and just you know. We didn't know it. We never, nobody told us. Um, but when we did a revival of it at, at the York Theater a couple of uh, years ago, um, a lot of people, a lot of performers who are now established performers in, in, in Broadway uh, came to see the show, told us that they had fallen in love with it, at, you know, when they were in college, and then said this one sentence, oh, that's what the songs are about. <laughs> And the truth of the matter is that we all think we understand what it's going to be like. But until you reach that, uh, that moment in your life, you don't know. We, as 20-year-olds, are sure we understand our parents. We haven't a clue. And, <laughs> and I'm sure as, uh, you know, as our, our parents' age, we're looking, I mean, I'm, I'm now in a grandparent age. And um, I can tell you, I have emotions and feelings and perceptions now, I could not even have imagined that anybody would have. Um, and uh, so what life is full of surprises. <laughs> it really is. And, and this is show is being done virtually, which I imagine a year ago, no one ever would have imagined. And that has been one of the weird surprises of 2020, all of these socially distant and virtual uh, productions and, with this one, Eminem Theater did kind of an interesting thing. Not only was it, you know, socially distanced, it is done on stage. It's not one of those Zoom performances, but they also integrated video and green screens and, and stuff like that for this production. I, I wonder, as you sit there with all of the successes and all of the different things that have happened in your career, as you're kind of watching this year unfold on a computer screen for theater people, which is, you know, so usually the antithesis of what theater folks and whether those are performers or writers or fans are used to. I wonder how you feel like the transition from the stage to the screen for specifically theater pieces has gone and what you might think it might 
mean for the future of theater, the industry, and then the, the shows and the writers and everybody itself? Well, you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is that theater always reinvents itself. Yeah. We, invent, we invent new styles. We invent new forms. The stagecraft changes. I mean, we, you couldn't produce a musical as simply as Oklahoma, as simple looking as Oklahoma did when it opened. Those little drops and everything. Yeah. Uh, it, we just couldn't couldn't do it. I was fascinated by the fact that it it seems so natural. Now, in a way, um, closer than ever is easier to do because it's a it's it's really a series of of of, uh, of monologues which are easy to, to perform separately. Um, and then if there are group numbers, uh, they are group numbers of separate people so that right. you, you know, they're, they're not, they're not an ensemble of four people doing the same thing. They are four individuals doing something simultaneously. And, um, so it just seemed kind of natural and isn't that wonderful yeah. <laughs> again? I thought how, how terrific. I was also blessed by, I, I thought a, a really first rate company and a very, very clever director who, who, um, really really put his heart into it and 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 worked very hard to to come up with inventive ways of of uh, of telling the story using the using the the um the arsenal of weapons that he had he has green screens yes well then you can do that um um so and i will say that the the the, the defining thing about that is that um what jonathan did all the way through it was um, he, he was always focused on the emotional content of the story that, of each song. And, um, and when you are doing that, it doesn't matter what the, sur what the surround is. Um, if, if, you, if you alter the emotional content in order to have fun with, uh, with some visual, it will die. But if it's the other way around, if, if you focus on the, on the, the center and the heart of the song, um, or the monologue or the scene, um, and, and deliver that, then the rest is, is appropriate, um, what decor, I mean, <laughs> ambiance, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's costumes, it's, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and that was a very, um, wise thing to do. I think, uh, I don't think Jonathan did it because it was smart. I think he did it because that's the only way that he knows to do it. Yeah. To follow the emotion. And uh, that's, that was a sign of how, what a good job. It really is a very, very nice production. I hope everybody goes and sees it. Yeah. It's on, it's, it's available until today. No, the 10th. Oh, no, in, the oh it goes on. Yes. We, we extended it into, into, into uh, mid January. Yeah. I hope people uh, stop in to see it because yeah. it's, uh, it's really good. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, especially for uh, someone like me who, you know, like a lot of those people that you talk about that uh, kind of got to know it in college. Like it's a it's a, a cast album that has just kind of been a part of my entire life. It's just always been there as part of uh, the songs that are part of the musical theater canon and, and they pop in and out and they mean different things at different times, like you said there, but it's also relatable, which I think is kind of at the heart of what you talked about with Jonathan Van Dyke, the director did with it is that if you focus on that relatability in the story, that's really what comes through. And it definitely does with this production. And that makes me think like so much of your career, even though you've done 
so many different things on stage and even on screen like we were talking about. But for a lot of reasons, you are so often associated with reviews and, and song cycles. Um, and I wonder, as we do kind of move into this time period in the next year, when hopefully we'll be transitioning back <laughs> more to this stage, I, I wonder how you feel like reviews or song cycles or whatever you want to call them. And those are different things, but obviously they're related. I, I, I wonder what sense you might have for how those types of shows fit in the new theatrical landscape, whether that's new reviews or new song cycles or the ones that we know and love like uh, Closer Than Ever. I, I just kind of feel like there might be a different platform for them moving forward uh, as we kind of get back to what we know theater to be while also kind of taking some of the lessons that we learned from 2020 as well. Well, it's a, a really interesting that, that that this should be my my uh, my uh, calling card these days. I mean, the, the only two um, reviews have won Tony Awards, and I directed yeah. both of them. Right, exactly. Ain't, uh, ain't, misbe <laughs> ain't misbehaving and Fosse. I've also done uh, two of the most uh, successful um, mm -hmm. uh, off-Broadway reviews, starting here, studying now, and closer than ever. Yeah. And, and, um, and I think the reason why they were successful is that I hate reviews. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't, reviews always seem to me kind of silly. Uh, you know, there were a sketch and a, and a, and a sort of a light jokey song and then a sketch and a light jokey song, and then maybe a ballad and everything, but there was no, no heart to it. Um, I guess because, um, because these songs that went into these shows often from, were from dramatic shows or they were based upon somebody do, in real life. They had a sort of a, a one act play structure to them. Mm -hmm. they, they were little playlets. And so they were emotional theatrical things, which is something that had never been done in reviews. And, uh, and it happened uh, almost by accident. I mean, I didn't plan to do it. It's just that those were the songs and that was the life that we had. Um, I, I, I know that when in the first day of the first review I did, which is starting here, starting now, uh, the cast had, had learned the opening number. We had sung it and then I had to stage it and I didn't know what to do. I had never <laughs> staged it. I didn't know what to do. I had them sing the opening uh, which, which is a big prelude. And then the song starting here, starting now. And, um, and then I said, and when they finished, I said, do it again. And then I said, do it again. And I, I said, do it again. <laughs> I had no idea. I had not a clue. And finally the, it was two girls and a boy and, um, two women and a man. And, um, and, uh, for one, at one moment after the fifth time, the actor just to sort of help me out, went to one of the girls and sang to her. And I thought, why didn't he go to the other one? And I thought, oh my God, I've got a plot. I've got... So I put together six song, opening songs that were a, 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 a little story about, how, about a guy pursuing two different women and, and, and getting uh, punished for it and, and them all going off to the city. Um, so I ended up doing a story inside of a review and uh, everything else that I, I started to do a, a, a book musical about Fats Waller's life with a friend of mine and, and uh, he, Fats Waller died early. And so he didn't have a second act. And so we dropped the project. And when Lynn Meadow said, well, you, when you had all those ideas about, about uh, how wonderful Fats Waller is, why don't you put together a kind of a club 
evening in, in our club at the Manhattan Theater Club. And I said, sure, I had nothing better to do. And, um, <laughs> and in the course of it, I put into it, I shoveled into it all of the biographical and character material that would have gone into a book musical. It's all buried in what seems to be a review that's one number after another. But, but it has actual book content. So what I was kind of inventing was the non-book, the bookless book musical. The, um, <laughs> they are reviews, but they, but they hold together the way that a, um, that a, a play does. And funnily enough, the, these things that are, these Zoom shows that people are doing, uh, you know, different theaters are doing to sort of keep their hand in, in one way or another, are so very often monologues. One act, because you can't, with actors together sure. they can't kiss or touch so the natural thing is is as dramatic monologues i've seen dozens of them and they're wonderful but they're not really very far away from the content of i mean at a, if they were singing they'd be a review you yeah. know so um so i guess the, the that's the only real thing I would I would say that the, my, my contribution to 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 reviews is that I don't like reviews. I've never I would never be happy <laughs> with just a collection of songs. That's a night callback. That's a you know yeah. that's a, um, that that's something else. For it to be a theater event it has to cut it has to touch your heart in some way and it has to relate to something that you and the audience are uh, are feeling. Otherwise it's you know, you can have a good time. It's a concert. Sure. You know, people, don't, of course you have a good time. Concerts are wonderful. Nightclub acts are wonderful. But reviews that have dramatic content, you know, they're wonderful too. Yeah, they're, but they're, they're different things. Yeah, and that's my, that's my contribution to the genre. And that's why I'm the king of reviews, because I yeah. hate reviews. Yeah, that's so funny. That's so great. Um, I, I would be remiss, though, if I didn't talk, um, you know, speaking of one of your most successful reviews, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about uh, Anne Ranking just a few weeks after uh, her passing. What was that process like of developing and working on the, that show with her? Um, obviously, someone who was so intimately familiar with the subject matter, um, I would imagine that that had to be a, a very uh, interesting and complex but exciting process to work on. Oh, it was, but you're leaving out the other parts of the complexity. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, I was doing it with uh, Anne Ryan King and Gwen Verdon yeah. and Cole yeah. Fossey. Yeah. Oh, that is to say, Bob Fossey's ex wife, <laughs> his daughter, and his mistress yeah, <laughs> his yeah, lover yeah. so um and the the problem with it was that they all were so um uh personally connected to the creation of these things that they they didn't see the numbers really for what they were they saw them for their connection to it and it was very hard for them to to see the to see the numbers for for the way the way that an outsider would Anne was somewhat different than that Anne, because she was a performer uh in 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 and because she had uh, restaged um um chicago i guess mm -hmm. she understood the 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 technique and how it affected the storytelling um i think i mean in a way gwen did too but but gwen was far more um 
I mean, Glenn was a bigger star than jo than Bob Fosse was uh, yeah. during the, the time when they worked together. And uh, so he was sort of working. She was something she was uh, she was uh, the recipient of his work as opposed to um, a participant in the creation of it. And and absolutely understood the vocabulary of it. I mean, here I am. I'm directing a show that is all dance. Yeah. I am not a choreographer <laughs> and I am not a dancer. Yeah. But I did have a, 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 an external eye as to what the numbers meant and how they you know, could be put together. Again, buried in that show is his biography, all, the, all sorts of things that happened to him. If you follow just the continuity of the show, you get a sense of a story that, that uh, um, is never spelled out. And I simply trust that the audience gets it. If they don't get it, they see a bunch of numbers and they're happy. But, but if, they get, if they are any intelligent audience, contribute something. And, and, yeah. and I'm sure they get that. And Anne was extremely good at it. She picked up on some ideas that I had and expanded upon them. The connective material in the, in the show was just... Uh, was all hers based on a perception that I had. Um, she was a sweetheart. She was a really smart person. And, and she was extraordinarily clever and diplomatic. Um, and I think that came from maneuvering through some extraordinary lives yeah. that she had had to deal with. She was, she was really, really good at it. Um, I mean, she handled me too. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I knew she was doing it, but you know what? She did it so well, I didn't care. Um, <laughs> no, she was, she was, uh, and so she's a sweetheart of a person, a genuinely nice person. And she has a terrible, she had a really difficult life. A, a son who was, had, had uh, physical problems. Uh, um, uh, she had suffered um, migraine headaches that put her in the hospital. I mean, really, really serious things. Um, she had um, all sorts of adversity that she had dealt with, and she was strong as anything and came out of it wonderfully. I adored her. <laughs> it's yeah. really what it was. Yeah. And I'm uh, sad to see that, that um, she has passed. I am happy that it happened painlessly and quickly and simply um, yeah. because she could easily have, she could easily have faced a great deal of, 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 of pain and, uh, you know, it, it extended, I mean, dancers sure. bodies are not, are not pleasant things at the end of their lives. Um, they, they are their enemy, you know, they, they pay you back for all the cruelty you Im impose upon them when, when you're young. Yeah. Well, I, I want to end on this last question in a completely different direction on something that's maybe a little bit more uh, upbeat. But between this virtual production and you've had a number of shows, including Fosse, that were filmed um, for for broadcast or in cinemas or, or whatever, um, I wonder if there if there's one of the shows that you've worked on either as a writer and or director or um, anything else that hasn't necessarily been translated into the screen in one form or another, which one you would like to see get that kind of treatment? <laughs> well, I mean, I'd love to see baby happen because mm -hmm. it's, it, again, it's very, very, it's an intimate show. 
and that would really, really benefit from 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 uh, the kind of uh, c- close camera work. Um, there, there was a, a a film version of Miss Saigon. Of course, they filmed they, they filmed the uh, London version, mm-hmm. and it is brilliantly filmed. It is so it's great. Close, it's filled with with close ups and everything, and you really don't you kind of forget that it's a stage production. It, it's uh, yeah, absolutely. And 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 the revelation is that in the midst, I mean, everybody sees Miss Saigon as this big production, the one with the helicopter and everything, but really. If the script and we, as we were writing, it's a bunch of two scenes and three scenes. It's yeah. it, it's it's as it's a very very intimate story and, and um, you know with this gigantic you know historical surround. But it's uh, so the TV show really focused on the personal story and made it all really make sense. A uh, baby would I think um, benefit from that. Um, we we were about to, we did a production. There was a production of Big in London recently, and it came mm-hmm. very close to being filmed. Uh, I thought that would have done well too, in exact for exactly the same reason. But Big is a small musical, a small story of a of a boy going through an experience um, in the midst of a of a sort of a big splashy Broadway production, and it, I, the more that we focused in rehearsal in, in, when it was in previews, we focused more and more on the intimate story and it kept coming alive. So I think that the, uh, that a film would have even in, enhanced that. Um, I mean, Dave, David and I write, um, you know, very sort of personal and heartfelt and, and, and revelatory songs, songs that kind of, I, I like to think I like to write songs that nobody's about something no one's ever written a song about, like <laughs> "Stop Time" or or uh, "The Story Goes On," you know. Um, where and and so um, if you can come in close and see that person really speak, really talking, um, you feel it so much more. It was wonderful in the in, in the in, in the film version of Hamilton too. The the, the sure. to, to to see. You you almost got seduced by the by the um, constant surround movement, you know, to to uh, seduced away from 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 watching the the story. The film actually said, "Watch this. Look at that. Look at this." And I thought that was uh, exciting. Um, and that was you know that was shot on a stage. It was the stage production. And again, you you know, it is as thrilling as. Um, as a, as a full movie musical or as the stage production. So there's a new, I think there's a new form. I think there will be a lot more filming of Broadway shows coming up. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, and for God's sakes, we will then have records of them. I mean, we don't have any full film versions of Rex Harrison and Julie Andrews in My Fair Lady. We don't have Carol Channing and, and, and Hello, Dolly. We're going to have Bette Midler. That's good. But, yeah. you know, um, we don't have, you know, Zero Mostel and Fiddler on the Roof. Um, over in the 30s, nobody expected musicals ever to be done again. Yeah. They, they threw away the orchestrations. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they, we found a whole bunch of orchestrations in a, in a, uh, 
in a warehouse in Secaucus, uh, rather than New Jersey, um, that had just been forgotten because nobody cared. Nobody expected that a musical would last for any forever or that Anything Goes would be produced over and over and over again for decades. Nowadays, everybody expects that. So you expect permanence. Um, and, uh, and that's what's kind of exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, I would, I, would, I would say we will continue to invent new ways of doing it. Theater is, theater is visceral. It, we, 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 we invented theater because we have to as human beings. And, um, and it won't go away. And we will just, if, if you can't do it this way, we'll do it that way. If you close the st theaters, we'll go do it in the street. Um, you know, it's always been the way of, of, uh, of theatrical ventures. And, uh, and there are so many creative people, young creative people out there, so many. I mean, colleges are turning out so many. There, aren't, there, isn't, there isn't work for them, but, uh, but they're going to invent something. I'll keep inventing things. Yeah. Well, from, from your mouth to the theatrical God's ears, it'll continue to reinvent itself and be a present fixture in our lives forever. Um, but I thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. This was a, a, a thoroughly wonderful conversation and I appreciate it. I'm so glad everything. to have it. Yeah. Well, have a wonderful new year. I'm looking forward to, uh, this yeah. project you're working on and hopefully we'll be getting to see some real theater more. Well, yeah. We, we, we have uh, if 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 we have a theater back, David and I have two shows coming up. Oh, really? In in, in twenty one or twenty two, if there is if there's if there's a theater to put them on in, you know. Which so. what what would those be? Oh, you'll have to know. One is a okay. musical version of a restoration comedy, and one is a musical ad adapted from a story that's set in Thailand. Well, who knew? We have two new Maltby and Shire shows coming down the pike. That is definitely something to look forward to in the year or years to come. Excellent. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day and a happy new year. Thank you. Thank you.